I want to welcome you to this teaching moment from Generations Christian Church. My name is Johnny Scott. I'm the senior pastor here at Generations. And one of my mentors told me long ago, as very young in ministry, he told me, so Johnny, the, the job of preaching, the job of a preacher at a local church is to whet the appetite of all everyone in the congregation for the Word of God. I really hope that in these next few moments as we dive into a text and see how God's Word is alive and active, that one thing happens, that you get hungry for the Lord. And here's what happens in, in that process. Uh, G- Jesus is going to have you pour yourself out so he can pour himself into you. See, the less of ourselves we have, the more room, the more capacity we have in our lives for God to pour in. It's someone that's completely full of themselves that says, I'm not hungry for God. To get hungry for God, the first thing you've got to do is pour out everything that you have so you're an empty vessel waiting to be poured into. That's my prayer for you as we walk into this teaching time, whether you're going to listen to it on a podcast or you're catching up in the week, uh, wherever you're at during this moment, would you become lesser so that God can become greater in you? It's going to give you joy and you're going to get more from this teaching time if that's your mindset as you walk into this. You know, one other thing I want to tell you before we dive into this teaching is this. Uh, I, I grew up a kid going to uh, the local church. It was a local church with a, a youth pastor and a group of elders and volunteers at that church that transformed my life and really one of the, the deepest, darkest times of my story. And I still believe that the local church is God's plan for the salvation of the world. So if you are a, consider yourself a, a vital part of Generations Christian Church, and maybe you're on vacation with your family and you're going to watch online or you're, you're catching up, doing a workout, I, I want to say this. Make sure that you're involved. Make sure you're involved in church because you can get content from so many places. But what God wants for you is to be a part of a local church where you're serving and you're giving and you're pouring into what God is doing there because there's more for you than just hearing a message. And there's going to be something, I'm sure, great in this message that the Spirit of God is going to use to transform your life. But you're missing out on a larger part if you're not really involved. And so if you're not in close proximity to Generations Christian Church and you're enjoying this teaching and it's being meaningful in your life, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. Praise God for that. We're so excited to be able to bless you in this way. But I would, I would encourage you, find a church around you that you can serve and give at because that's God's ultimate plan is for all of us to be a part of the church because that's the bride that he's coming back for one day. Thanks for being with us today and may God use this teaching to bless your life. Life is a journey filled with great adventures and burdened with deep sorrows. Some moments feel like they will never end, while others, while others are just the blink of an eye. This great journey we find ourselves on leaves us asking questions over and over again. Does he care? Does he have a plan for my life? Is he listening? Is he here? Is he? Jesus. 
I grew up going to church as a kid. Uh, Mom and dad would take us all the time. Church kid. And there was a period of time in worship in North American church that was not great. No, it was great for a while. You know, like I, I, I collect hymn, hymnals. Some, some of you might not know. I collect hymnals. Love some of the hymns. They're just the greatest hits of all time. That's what they are. You know, like, holy, holy. You know why it's a good? Because, like, it's been tested for hundreds of years. Like, millennia of people have voted. It's a good song. It's a good song, okay? But there was this series of time in, like, the, the early 90s, late 80s. It just got rough. We started singing what my grandpa called 7-Eleven songs. That's seven words 11 times over and over. And grandpa would be like, are we going to do the wall singing? He called it wall singing. So when we put the, the words on the wall. And I remember going to church and we had some songs that just weren't as, as good. Like here at church, like now it's like Friday night at camp. Okay, I went to camp growing up. It's like Friday night at camp every Sunday. I love that. It wasn't always like that. When I was a kid, we had a song that we would sing at church. I think we called it the sheep song. Some of you might, some of you might know the song. Uh, it had a verse on it. I'll just do it for you to let you know how rough it was. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Because a hypocrite ain't hip with it. <laughs> see, see what they did there? I know, I know. So some of you, you're like, you, you know it, and you're like, I'm not singing that song ever again. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to join you. In that there was another verse, though, and it matters for today. It matters here. We're talking about Mark chapter 12, an encounter with the Sadducees. The Sadducees had a verse in this song. Does anyone know it? Raise your hand. Proud if you know it, if you know it. Right there, right? You know, you're too young to know it, man. How do you, I don't know what your church, I, that's awesome. We got to talk. Okay, the Sadducees song, because that's hard to put that word in a song. Sadducees, right? But here's what they did. I don't want to be a Sadducee. I don't want to be a Sadducee. Because the Sadducee is sad, you see. <laughs> it's gotten better, guys. It's. Now, so believe it or not, the song would actually build, right? It would build, and we'd, we'd all get excited. You know, it's just one guy, an acoustic guitar, right? And we'd, it would build to this final verse. I just want to be a sheep, and then everyone, adults. This isn't kid church, like, oh, you did. No, adult worship. All the, everyone would go, I just want to be a sheep. Bah. Like we'd, <laughs> and looking back, and I'm just like, how did, how did we do that with a straight face? Like, so the second song in the set is the, the sheep song. We're all excited about that. It happened. Sadducees, though, they were sad. There's a reason that they were sad, okay? And this, this helped me understand this was a, a group of people that Jesus had to fight with, okay? He had to go to Jerusalem and fight. So I want to take you right to Mark chapter 12, and we're going to jump in on verse, I believe, 18 is this moment, okay? Here's what happens. We're just, gonna, just that verse. It says this. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection came to him with the question. Now, that's why they were sad. You see? <laughs> because it's, I'm telling you, you're, you're going to be humming it tomorrow. It's, it's catchy. It'll, it'll find you. Okay. They're sad because they don't believe in a resurrection. Like what kind of, they're, they're like, you die, it's over. That's why they're sad. And these people, they, at this time, they were kind of, they were the aristocrats. They were highbrow. And at this time, there are ruling factions within Jewish religious authority. The Sadducees at the time of the ministry of Christ, they were top dog. They were in charge of the Sanhedrin. That's the, the group of men that controlled 
all of the Jewish religion. The Sadducees were in charge. And it says, then the Sadducees came because what's going on in Mark chapter 12, we are in what's called Passion Week. Okay, this week is the last week of the life of Christ. They're not out in the Galilee on some dirt road and two guys in robes walk up and be like, Jesus, we're here to argue with you, right? No, this has been called the great debate. It's, it's a massive showing. There's pageantry to this. There's order of who's going to argue with Jesus in what order they're going to argue with Jesus. And matter of fact, because the Sadducees are in control, they're going to send two other smaller factions of Jewish thought to argue with Jesus first. The Herodians go and argue. Jesus just whoops up on them, you know. I mean, intellectual combat. And there's a lot of town folk there. Because in this, this week, it's a, it's a high impact week because it's a festival week. There are seven major festivals in the Jewish faith. God gave these to Moses. God said, here's, here's when you party. Here's how you party. So they were just following the book of the law. Passover is the biggest party. It celebrates God pulling his people out of Egypt. This is how he made them a nation. They were just a big clan, a big group of people. But when God gives the law, they become a nation that conquers nation. They celebrate this. That means one thing. The town is packed. I want to show you a picture. I always like to drive you to like the setting. We got to know the setting of the fight, the great debate. This is the Temple Mount. This is a great, this is in the Israel Museum in Jerusalem. That gives you a very, probably very accurate picture of, you know, maybe not exactly how gaudy it was in every way, but Herod had put a lot of money into this temple. It had some bling on it. Okay. And there's a all kinds of courts, hundreds of thousands of people could be here. They were, this place was at fever pitch. Now today Here's, here's how close you can get today. This would be on the bottom side of that hill. This would be what's called the, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. This is as close as you can get to where that temple would have been. I've been there uh, a number of times. Busy, busy place. Commotion, okay? People singing, people praying, people rocking back and forth, people with the, the Torah in front of them, and they're memorizing it like, it's busy. This is not Jesus out in the Galilee in this moment. And then the Sadducees come to him because other folks have already come. And there is a showdown that's about to happen. The showdown had to happen because of you. Now, there's an original moment in the showdown. I mean, Jesus would be called to the Sanhedrin. Here's a, here's a photo of uh, kind of like what the Sanhedrin room would look like. This is the inner sanctum of the Sanhedrin that would question Jesus in the final hours of his life. Jesus would be called before them. That moment is coming. That moment is not now. This is the pre-public trial. At the end of the fight, we're going to read just a couple verses. We're going to see the fight. It's a question and a reply. At the end of this moment, they're going to go away and they're going to say this. We're going to kill them. We're going to get them. And we're going to get them in this room. And we're going to, we're going to find a way to kill them. Now, there probably wasn't a lot of Roman guards in this temple court area at that time because the Sanhedrin, they were allowed to have their own temple guard system. There's probably some liaisons to, to uh, the, the ruling garrison there in Jerusalem because of the festival season, so tension was high. But the Sanhedrin, they come out dressed in like pomp and circumstance. Like, there's pageantry to it. And they've got all their folks. They're looking sharp. They're impressive. Their clothes, are, I mean, their clothes are impressive. The, the entrance is impressive. And they come up and they've got a question. Verse 19. 
the question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died, leaving no child. It was the same with the third. I've been laughing at this all week. It just gets preposterous. I'm like, I need, they need a blackboard. All right, Jesus, we got a question for you. There's this guy, and he dies, and he's got a bunch of brothers. It's like, you know, and they literally, like, this is sarcasm. Like, this is sarcasm. The, the, that word, like, it, in the Greek, it means to tear flesh. That's what sarcasm does. It tears flesh. And what's crazy is, while everyone's watching this moment, and they're giving this hypothetical situation to Jesus, they're tearing at his flesh. They're going to tear at his flesh physically in just a couple of days. But they can't technically do it right now because everyone in town, they love Jesus. They just said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus comes rising, riding in on a donkey, the, the foal, and fulfills the prophecy that this is how the Messiah will come. And everyone's excited that he's there. They can't kill him right now. The people will revolt. So they're doing this, this gotcha moment. We're going to get him. We got a question. We're going to stump Jesus. I think that they had some serious pregame on this. Like, they didn't just roll up into this day and be like, anyone got a question for Jesus? No, 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 no. They, they got together and war-roomed this. And they come up with this crazy Jerry Springer-like kind of weird family deal. It's like, how many... How many boys died in this family and what were they doing? Like, stay away from the farm machinery. Like, what do you, like, we need some safety meetings. I don't know what's happening in this family. I've got other questions, but in verse 22, they say, in fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. So they're building up. I mean, I just see the guys behind them and then they're like snickering. They're like, oh, we got them. Right? They put their best guy out there. It's like, he's going he's gonna to ask Jesus the question. He's like, brother one, brother two. And they're just like, I can't believe we got him. We got him. They're just goofy. This crazy, hypothetical, annoying question. And it says, verse 23, here's the gotcha moment. So Jesus, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? I'm sure they said that. They're just like, mic drop. Boom! Got you! Busted! Because Jesus, here's one thing about the ministry of Jesus. It's very consistent. Jesus shows up. If you're following with us in Quest 52, this is my Quest 52 book. I've just already added a considerable amount of bling to it. Okay? Uh, but if you're trying, like this week, we were in Luke chapter 2, looking at Jesus as a boy. It starts out, Jesus is in the temple. He is preaching and teaching a kingdom, his father's kingdom. If you're in small group right now, just this last week, our small group, we meet on Thursday, we, we circled up and we looked at the two on the road to Emmaus, Emmaus. Jesus, his teaching in his whole life was very consistent. My father's bringing a kingdom of life. Get in that kingdom of life. Jesus would side with another ruling faction called the Pharisees. Jesus taught and believed consistently that there was a life to come. And this one is really important because it's going to prepare you for where you go on that one. And here's what they said. Jesus, the way we got you, 
our gotcha moment for you is what about this lady? She's going to get to heaven. She's going to be married to like seven people. Who's she married to? Since you believe in the resurrection and you're here to teach us all, right? Tell us now in all of your wisdom who she's going to be married to. This actually, this rule comes from Deuteronomy 25. Jesus would know this. Everyone in the room, everyone in the courtyard would know about Deuteronomy 25. Just in in a nutshell, I'll give it to you. Uh, If truly, if this happened, if a man were to die, his brother would have a family obligation if that spouse, his sister-in-law, if she had no kids to grow up and take care of mama, his obligation religiously would be to bring her into his house, give her children so that she would have someone to take care of her. Okay, that, that would be the obligation. And if he said, hey man, my brother married that girl, not me, okay. That was his decision, I'm out. She could go before the elders and you know, she takes, it's weird, she takes a sandal off of him and slaps and spits in his face, and then he forever is called the one who has no sandal. I, it, it matters for this reason. It's, it's true. It matters for this reason. Uh, God was keeping the group, the, the people of Israel, he was keeping them a pure race. And all throughout, he's like, don't, don't marry outside of the race, because a time was going to come when Jesus would come, and it's no longer just about Israel. You, I, I'm not ethnically Jewish, so we get in on it, but until that time, God's like, we're going to keep it, we're, we're, we're going to keep safe and healthy in all of this. And that's what's going on. And so they think they've got Jesus in this moment. They're going to ridicule him because they don't believe in a physical afterlife. Here's what we do. This is why it matters for me, for you to. We get dressed up in our arguments. We get dressed up in our, the way we rationalize our lives. And we come to Jesus with gotcha moments. And we say, I, I don't have to obey you here because of my past. And I, I don't have to, like, I don't have to do this one. Because, and we, we posture ourselves and we try to put Jesus in a gotcha situation. So we have a setting. I think you understand the tenseness of that moment. We have, we have the question, the gotcha moment, but Jesus has a reply. We're going to read it. It's just a couple of verses. And I want to I want, to give, I want to give you, in a nutshell, just the two things that Jesus says. He's like, there's two problems here. You've forgotten about two things. It's the same thing that I forget about. Maybe, maybe you've forgotten about this. If it was too cold for you to join us today live and you're sitting at home and trying to survive this winter, I mean, I'm reaching out to you. Welcome in here. You're, you're one with us. Maybe you at home, maybe you're, and you've forgotten these two things. One is the power of God. Jesus says, you forgot the power of God. And the second thing is this, the truth of his word. And just a couple of sentences here, because they thought they were smart like we do. And they are protecting something they valued more than what Jesus offers like we do. I think what they're really resisting is this kingship. I mean, if you put yourself in their place, imagine these guys getting ready that morning. I mean, they're, they're getting ready and they're, they're putting on their fine linens and their wives are like, so you're going to the temple court today. I know the Pharisees, they, they kind of got whooped up on Jesus yesterday. How are, we, how are you going to do, honey? How are you going to do? Well, we've got a really good question. I, I, don't, I think we're going to make quick work of Jesus. The attitude and the heart in coming, because it's okay to question Jesus. He'll meet you in your question. But the attitude and the heart that they had in coming to question Jesus wasn't one of help me understand. It was one of, I don't need you. And I reject your kingship. Verse 24, we see the mistake. Don't be mistaken about his power. 
Jesus replied, are you not an heir because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God? It's one of those questions that he's already assumed a yes answer for you, right? <laughs> yeah, I had a football coach before we canceled everything. He'd be like, Scott, are you dumb or stupid? I'd be like, uh, both. I don't know. Like, you know, luckily you're not allowed to talk to kids like that in sports anymore. Um, but, but when I grew up, you could do that, right? And I'm like, uh, yes. He's like, that's right. Get over here. Jesus, he's like, hey, which one of these things do you not know? And the, the, the grammar of how he said it was an implied yes on both. Are you not an heir because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given marriage. They will be like angels in heaven. I, normally when a scribe or one of these guys would teach, they would go back to one of the Old Testament books. So the Sadducees only believe in the first five books of the Bible. The books that Moses wrote that came down off Mount Sinai. That means this. Let's do a little history. They don't believe in Psalms. All the stuff that David wrote that we sing, they're like, nope, not from God. Jeremiah. And how Jeremiah cries out to God. Ezra and Nehemiah who rebuild the temple, that the grounds that they're standing on, they're like, not from God. Isaiah that predicts 600 years before Jesus coming, they're like, not from God. They don't believe in any of that stuff. That's, why, that's another reason why they're sad. You see, that, that joke, it's just got power. It's just, it's, it's going to stay with you. Jesus in one sentence ends like a 500 year argument between these guys. He's like, oh, by the way, when the dead rise, they're not going to marry or be given a marriage. They're going to be like angels in heaven. Good talk, right? He's not just gonna be like, like he just he just told us like it's it's gonna happen. We're we're not gonna be like angels in that one specific way. There's there's a couple of things about this whole angel thing that Jesus brings up. We're gonna be like them in that we no longer need marriage because we're not gonna need to procreate. God just makes angels, and Jesus just lets that out there. We get new bodies though. We're higher than angels in some ways. First Corinthians 15 says this, but God gives it a body as he has chosen into each kind of seed its own body. We are going to be like Jesus and have new bodies that can be in his presence. And there's, there's, it's gonna be amazing. And the problem is the power of God in all of this, when Jesus looks at them, the power of God is bigger than they think. See, they're very wrong in their estimation of what life is going to be like when we get to heaven. This is the mistake. The power of God problem where we don't conceive correctly of the power of God and an earthly view of heaven. We can't conceive of it because we have an earthly view. We're trying to project this experience. We do this right now. We're projecting this earthly experience to be like, heaven's going to be like this, but only better. And Jesus says, you have no idea about the power of God. First John chapter three. You've probably heard this before. Think of it in light of this conversation. John writes, see what kind of love the father has given us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. There's something as a child of God, which you are right now, and it hasn't shown up yet. You get a new body, you get a new experience, and there's a power there that you can't imagine. You're under projecting how awesome it's going to be. It says this, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Everything that you know is going to change. And Jesus says to these guys, there is an afterlife 
And it's not, I'm telling you what, you, it's not going to be about marriage because you think that's great. I'm about to blow your socks off. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be in the presence of Jesus. They were very, very wrong. The problem of the Pharisees is the problem that I have. Maybe you have it. We have too earthly a view of heaven. So that's the first thing. Jesus just handles that. You don't understand the power that you're messing with right here. Here's the second thing. He ends with this. Don't be mistaken about the word. Don't be mistaken about it. Verse 26. Now about the dead rising. Have you not read in the book of Moses in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abram, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Maybe you've heard that a lot and you just kind of roll over that. There's something deep in here. The language is very specific. See, Jesus is doing something here with this group of attackers. They're attacking him. And remember a a fact, they only believe in the law that Moses received from the Lord on Mount Sinai. That's all they believe in. And Jesus says, you know about the burning bush moment, right? Let's go back to that. What did God say there? Jesus met them where they were at. That's what they believed in. He met them there. He'll do this for you. Jesus said, I am the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. He does not say, I was the God. Jesus is like, hey, you've been reading this your whole life, and that's the only part of the Bible you believe in, that part right there, just that right there. He's like, let's just go right back to it. What did God say to Moses in that moment? Think about it. Moses is there, the bush is burning, and God shows up and he says, you know who I am? Right now, in this moment, Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac. As in this, they're here. They're alive. I'm not the God who was their God, and then they died. They are witnessing, as in Thessalonians, a great cloud of witnesses. They are in this moment. And here's what Jesus did in that moment. Is that all you believe in? I'm going to meet you there. My God, the God I serve, he is a God of the living. And he'll do that for you. He will meet you right in your moment. There's one truth that touches all of us about life after death. That's what this whole argument right here is about. It's about life after death. There is one truth that will touch every single one of us. We are all going to rise again. Everyone is going to rise again. Some are going to rise to paradise forever and heaven with the God that loves you. And some of us are going to rise and we're going to go to a place of eternal judgment and anguish. These aren't my words. These are the words of Jesus in John chapter 5. Verse 28, Jesus says this. Don't be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Jesus says, and don't be be freaking out about this. This is just how it is. A day is coming when my father will break the clouds and he's going to have a voice. And every person who has ever lived, they're going to be awake and they're going to rise. And in that moment, they're going to go to one of two places, eternity forever or hell forever. The words of Jesus, 
he ends this whole thing with verse 27. You think of that moment, these guys are there and they think they got him. And he just two sentences. He's like, you don't understand the power of God. It's bigger than you can imagine. And you also, you've you've misunderstood the scripture. You've misunderstood the word. He ends it by saying this. He is not the God of the dead, but the living. And you are badly mistaken. I mean, the tension of that moment, they were seething. We have a couple of options. We can hear Jesus say something that we just don't like. I don't like that there's a judgment. I don't like that there's a hell. I don't like that there's heaven. I don't like that I've got to submit to him. I don't want to accept him as my king. I don't want that. And we can seethe. But I don't think in this moment Jesus was being like snarky or cheeky or coy. I don't think he was doing that. I don't think he does that with you. I think there's tenderness and patience in this because he just said, you believe in the old law? Let me just explain it to you a little bit further. My father in heaven is a God of the living. And I created you to live in the depth of who you are, your deepest DNA. You know this about yourself. You're not supposed to die. You weren't created to die. Death is foreign. It doesn't feel right because you weren't created for it. You were created in the image of the Father to live forever. It's in the depth of who you are. And right now, the Spirit of God, if this is the first time you've heard this truth or you've not heard it in a while and you just need to be reminded of the present, of like how how terribly important this is because Jesus said, you are badly mistaken. Is there a chance that maybe today you've been badly mistaken about the power of God? I had someone I love very much this week say, could God change that person? Do you think that person could change? I said, the power of God. Yes, the power of God. Are you mistaken about the power of God? Jesus says, my God is the God of the living. Don't be mistaken about the power of God. And have you been mistaken by just not knowing him and knowing his words and knowing what he said? And you have an idea of what he said, but you don't know what he said. That's what he said. The day is going to come. My father is going to call. Everyone will rise. Some will go to heaven. Some will go to hell. Don't be badly mistaken. On that hill from 2,000 years ago to this very moment, Jesus cries out to you with one message. Don't be badly mistaken. Don't mistake that I don't have enough power. Don't mistake that my name spoken into your life can't change your family, can't change your anxiety, can't change your depression, can't lift you up out of a job you hate, can't fix a marriage you thought was over, can't bring a child back that you thought was estranged forever. But the power of God, don't be mistaken that there is power in the name of Jesus. Church, you can call on his name. The demons knew his name. He calls us to obedience. To hear, you have heard today that he is the son of the living God and the only way to the Father is through him. You have heard. Will you confess him? If you've already confessed before, will you confess again? Will you simply say, I speak the name of Jesus over my life. In the streets, from the mountains, everywhere I go, I claim Jesus is my refuge. Jesus is my source. Jesus is the blood that covers my sin. So the Father says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into a heaven that I have prepared for you. Come on, church. Are you ready to speak the name of Jesus? Are you ready to say, I believe in Jesus? Are you ready to trust and be obedient to baptism because of Jesus? Call him your king. Call him your kings.
name is Jesus. Dark addiction starts to break. Break addiction. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak the name of Jesus.
Stronghold shine through the shadows.